are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Someone said once that there are some truths that are so true that they lie bedridden in the dormitory of the soul. I think this is so. I believe that we hear John 3.16 so much that we really fail to see what it's saying. Imagine, if you can, that you had never heard John 3.16. Imagine that you were hearing it for your first time. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There are three things that stand out in this text that I want you to see tonight. First, you'll notice the fact remembered, and then you'll see the faith confessed, and thirdly, you'll notice the favor enjoyed. But the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Notice the fact Paul remembered. Who loved me? and gave himself for me. Paul speaks of this as a fact that is ascertainable, and he speaks as a man who has ascertained the fact. There's no doubt in his mind about it. There's no tone of doubt. But here's a positive affirmation by the apostle that he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. And he gave himself for me. Now, friend, If you've never yet ascertained that fact for yourself, then you haven't begun to live. I can look out at this world, and I cannot help but come to the conclusion that God loves this world to tolerate what he tolerates. When I see men shake their fist in the face of God, when I see dope addicts and drunkards and everything else, people who curse and if they could would literally spit in his face, people who go up on space trips and come back and say, well, there's no God, we didn't see him, and literally make fun of God. When I see TV announcers and and, uh, some uh, comedians on television who make a joke out of God and Christianity, I cannot uh, but know that God loves us to tolerate what he tolerates. But the greatest thing that ever happened to me was when it dawned on me out of a world of nearly three billion people, he loved me. And I kept telling myself, he loves me. I'm the special object of his favor. His thoughts are continually toward me. He died for me. He loves me. And I took myself out of the group called the world and I became one of the whosoevers that believed on him. And what a discovery I made. Someone once asked James Simpson, the great scientist, what is the greatest discovery you ever made? And Mr. Simpson answered, the greatest discovery I ever made was when I discovered that I was a poor lost sinner and Jesus Christ loved me and gave himself for me. Here's a fact that you want to ascertain. Here's a fact that I'd like to so present that when you left here, you would would forget that there was anyone else in the building tonight except you 
and you would leave saying, He loves me. He loves me. Me. Not my mother, not my sister, not the preacher, but He loves me as unlovely as I am. He loves me. I'm the special object of His love. Notice several things about this blessed love. It is a divine love. The life I now live uh, in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. Write those three words down. Who loved me. Jesus first and me last and nothing between but love. Who loved me. It's a divine love. You know, it would be great to be loved by somebody great. Now, let's not kid ourselves. If I thought that, uh, that the president really loved me, I'd think that was tremendous. And I wouldn't hesitate to tell anybody. And there's one man that I think is a great man. He loves me, and I know he loves me. And you'll pardon me for using this personal illustration. But Dr. Mark Cameron loves me. The other day I saw him. And I was delighted. He came and put his arm and hugged me. I mean, just like I was his son. And I felt so good. And I, I sort of swore with pride. And I looked around and said, everybody see that? <laughs> Does everybody see this? Brother Davis, you see this? You preachers here, y'all see this? I felt like saying it. I felt it. I may as well have said it. I swore with pride. He loves me. I can look at him and I can tell he loves me when he looks at me. I can tell it. He loves me. Uh, occasionally, my wife and I will talk about it. She said, Mark thinks a lot of you. I said, yes, he does. And we'll discuss it. You know, he loves me. It would be great to be loved by somebody great. I've seen Jack Howes preach and I've seen Dr. Uh, John Rice preach and I've noticed Jack Howes while Dr. John Rice preaches Jack will look at him and stare at him and then sometimes Jack will get up behind Brother Rice and he'll say I wish John Rice could have been my father I think Jack Howes means that because it would be great to be loved by somebody great you know it would be wonderful wouldn't it if, if Michael the archangel came down here and said to me uh, and put his arm around my shoulder and said to the congregation you've got a great pastor here I love him. Oh, man, we'd put that in the, we'd put that in the headlines we get these liberals to print it. <laughs> oh, my God, the angels in heaven love me. But wait a minute, friend. Jesus loves me. Uh, he, not merely, he, he does not merely feed me. He doesn't merely think about me. He's not just favorably inclined toward me, but he loves me. He loves me. Did you hear me? He loves me. Me. Old Paul said, to, Man, the life I live now, brother, and the flesh, I live it by the faith of the Son of God. Who loved me? Boys, he loves me. Oh, I almost get excited getting into this. Boy, I have to get started. <laughs> it's divine love. He loves me. Oh, the convention doesn't love me, but he loves me. The liberals don't love me, but he loves me. The modernists don't love me, but he loves me. Oh, that'll make you spit in the devil's eye, won't it? 
He loves me. And then the text not only suggests that it's a divine love, but the text suggests that it's an ancient love. Who loved me, and the verb is in the past tense. He didn't begin to love me yesterday. Oh, that'd been great. He didn't begin to love me when I got saved as an 11-year-old boy. No, he loved me when he was in the manger. And he loved me when they spit on me. And he loved me when Paul was preaching and when he washed the disciples' feet. He loved me! And in John chapter 17, when he was praying, he not only loved his followers then, but he loved me. He said, I don't want to pray for these only, but all them that will believe on me through the... He loved me way back then. It's an ancient love. He said in the book of Jeremiah, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. I don't know when he began to love me, and I know he won't ever stop loving me. Isn't that wonderful? But it's not only an ancient love, it's a practical love. Oh, I have some people who say, I love you. Oh, we think a lot of you. We love you. But I have some folks who never say anything, but I like the commentaries on the message. That practical love. Paul says it's practical. I live with the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That practical love. Wait a minute. He didn't give me his excellency. He didn't give me his crown. He didn't give me his throne. He didn't give me his marriage. He gave me himself. And Paul said that if he spared not his own son but gave him up to the death for his soul, Paul said, I just believe he'll, he'll give you everything. That's not really what he said. He said this, but that's what he meant. <laughs> he that spared not his own son, but freely gave him up to the death for us all. How should he not with him also give us all things? Everything is mine. It was not simply that which belonged to him that he raked up and foretold. Oh, I'd think you loved me if you brought you a new Cadillac by and said, here's the keys, preacher. You have it. You need a comfortable car to ride. I'd say, he loves me. <laughs> if when you bought a $300 suit, you'd see if they had a twin to it and get me one, I'd think you love me. No. God didn't simply rake up all that he had and give it to me. He said, that's not enough. I love Curtis more than that. I think I'll just give him myself. He loved me and gave himself for me. If I can hold back just a little. It's a practical love. I wish I had the strength and the ability to speak to you upon the practical display of our Lord's love. 
But God commanded his love and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Greater love hath no man than this that he lay down his life for his will you Will you go home tonight? Will you carry this home and will you meditate on it? Somebody said the word meditate means to chew the could. You won't like this, but you know how a cow chews a cud. She swallows it down and she's accumulating. She can't chew it all. She's gathering it up. And then she'll go out and lay down under a shade tree and she'll and bring it up. And she'll say, let me see what I got here. Why, that's four-leaf clover. <laughs> Boy, that's the alfalfa I got. I hope you'll put this down somewhere, and when you get home, I hope you can't go to sleep. I hope you lay there and say, By the faith of the Son of God who loved me. Hey, honey, he loves me. Well, she say, he loves me too. I can't go, can you? No, I can't sleep either. I hope you'll carry it home and meditate on it and put it like a wafer onto your tongue and let it melt like honey in your mouth. He loves me. And it's practical. He gave himself up. And you know, it's not only divine love and ancient love and practical love, but it's immeasurable love. Love is measured by its gifts. The greatest word in the Bible has two letters. It's found in John 3.16. I'll dare you to study it. God so loved the world. Stop on that word so. J. Sidlow Baxter wrote an entire book on that one word. God so loved. God so loved the world that he gave. His love can only be measured by the gift that he gave. And since you can't measure Christ, you can't measure his love. You don't know what you have in Christ. If you could tell me all that Christ is, I can tell you how much God loves you. When you get through talking about Jesus, I'll be through talking about the love of God. But his love can only be measured by the gift that he gave. You know there's a limit to everything else. You take the great waters of the ocean, they come so far and they stop, there's a limit. It rains so long and it stops, there's a limit. The sun gets so hot and doesn't get any hotter, there's a limit. But God doesn't love so much and then stop. There's no limit. It's immeasurable. You mothers can love to the point of death. You husbands can love your wife to the point of death. And fathers can love their sons to the point of death. But Christ's love doesn't stop at death. Ten million years from now, he'll still be loving me. And won't be loving me any more than he loves me tonight. It's immeasurable. 
Was it for crimes that I have done? He hung up on the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. And then it's unchanging love. Not only immeasurable, but unchanging. Since he himself is immutable, he cannot love me more, and he's never loved me less, and he'll never cease to love me. And then notice, secondly, in the text, the faith confessed. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, and yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. This is the faith confessed. Oh, he recognized the fact, but now he confessed the faith. Notice that it was faith in a person. I've had people say to me, oh, but I have faith. I, I suppose I have the greatest faith of anyone you've ever met. Your faith is not worth a dime. It's the object of faith that makes faith important. Faith doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. Faith is an instrument or an attitude of the soul through which Jesus saves. Faith is the intake of the soul. You trust him. You have faith. Paul said, I live by the faith of the Son of God. It's faith in Christ. It's not faith in the organization. It's not faith in a man. It's not faith in a denomination. It's not faith in the preacher. It's faith in Christ. But it was not only faith in a person. It was faith in a distinct fact. There are people who have faith in a person but don't have faith in the fact. Paul said, I live with the faith of the Son of God. Wait a minute, Paul. Is that all? No. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said, I not only have faith in Christ, but I have faith in a distinct fact. That fact being that he gave himself for me. I believe that he, on the cross, was where I should have been, himself for me. Paul says, I believe that his death was substitutionary. Oh, there are people today, if you said, do you believe in Jesus? Oh, yes, I've always believed in Jesus. Since I was a little boy, I believed in Jesus. Since I was a little girl, I believed in Jesus. I've always believed in Christ. Well, wait a minute, but do you have faith in a distinct fact? Who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul was trusting the death of Jesus in his place. You can say, I believe in Jesus all day long. Go to hell saying, I believe in Jesus. But if you don't believe he died on the cross and paid what you owe, and if you're not trusting, depending, relying upon what he did in your place, you're not saved. But if you're relying and depending on what he did, you're saved and can't get lost. Paul said this faith is in a person. This faith is in a distinct fact. Now, wait a minute you'll notice further that it was an appropriating faith. Paul said, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's it. Listen, son. I believe Jesus died, preacher. I believe he died and bore the sin of the whole world. But wait a minute. 
Is your faith an appropriating faith? Will you come tonight? And will you get on your knees and say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you came to this earth. I believe you bore my sin. And I believe you died for me. I believe you gave yourself for me. I believe you love me. It's appropriating faith. You'll never be saved to your appropriate. The death of Jesus Christ makes salvation, salvation sufficient for all men. I should say his death is sufficient for all men's salvation. But it's efficient only to those who appropriate it. He paid the sin debt of the whole world. Now, some folk argue that, but you can argue all you want to. 1 John 2, 2 said, Not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Hebrews 2, 9, we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the crowning of glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for E-D-E-R-Y, every man. I think there's room in that every for me. Oh, he bought you, he paid for you, but you must appropriate. It's an appropriating thing. And you know what? You have to be worth a dime in the service of the Lord till you make a personal appropriation of the faith of Christ. Once you find Christ, you can sing like the fellow did, Now will I tell to sinners round what a dear Savior I have found. You've got to find him first. And then this faith was not only faith in a person and faith in a distinct fact, it was not only an appropriating faith, but it was a faith full of wonderment. Take the anti-expression and listen to it. It seems like Paul is wondering as he, as he, as he makes that. Paul's saying, what a wonder. Who loved me and gave himself for me. I think the fellow who wrote the song, The Wonder of It All, might have felt like Paul felt when he said, there's the wonder of sunrise at morning. The wonder of sunrise I see but the wonder of wonders that thrills my soul is the wonder that God loves me. Maybe you've got accustomed to it. But every once in a while I have to get out by myself and just sort of shake my head and say, He loves me. I mean the, the little boy who didn't care about him. The little fellow who at times even wondered there was a God, He loves me. I look in the mirror sometimes and I have to wonder, is it really true? And yet, though this faith is full of wonderment, he still loves me. Don't you wonder tonight that he loves you? Oh, the wonder of it all. The wonder of it all just to think that God loves me. The wonder of it all. Oh, the wonder of it all. Just to think that God loves me. It's faith in a person. It's faith in a distinct fact. It is an appropriating faith, and it's a faith full of wonderment. Now notice the third thing I want to share with you, and that is the favor and joy. The fact remembered, the faith confessed, and the favor and joy. When this really grips you, when a sense of the love of Christ to you personally 
has really gripped your heart, it'll affect your whole life. You cannot be the same. I'll say something else. You young people, when a girl really falls in love with you, it'll affect you. And when you fall in love with her, you will be affected. When somebody really loves you, it affects your life. And when this truth really grips your heart, he loves me, it'll affect your entire life. Paul said it did. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. The life I now live has been affected by this, Paul said. It'll change your life. I mean, when it really grips your heart, think of what it would mean in grief. When the dearest friend you ever had passes away, when the closest relative. I got some people I love. I don't know what I'd do if they were to die. I really don't. I, maybe I shouldn't say it, but I don't know what I'd do. There are some people I could stand giving up, but there are some people I don't know what I'd do. As a little boy, I used to pray, I, Dear Lord Jesus, let me die before my mother. Don't ever let me follow my mother to the cemetery. I used to weep and watch my dad work, and I'd say, Oh, Lord, let me die before my dad. Please. I buried my mother. I preached her funeral standing in this platform a few years ago. I followed the coffin to the cemetery. I read the scripture and prayed as the Lord it down the ground. I don't think I could have done it. But behind me, I could hear a whisper. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me, this I know. He gave himself to die for me because he loved me so. And I drew strength from that. He loves me now. When my friends don't understand, when they're trying to comfort me and doing more harm than good, just to know he loves me. I got a call one night after I left the church late, maybe 12 o'clock. This lady and her husband lived together many years. They had no children. She had told me previously that she thought maybe he may die. She didn't know when, but he was getting very weak. Of course, he was still up going around. She called me late at night. I went to her home. After midnight, the man was still inside the house on his bed, dead. When I got to the door, she was an elderly lady, she put her arms around me and hugged me. Oh, she hugged me and hugged me and hugged me. She said, I didn't think I could stand this. She said, oh, I prayed so hard that I would not be here alone. And she called his name and said, when so-and-so died. Oh, she said, I'd prayed so hard I wouldn't be. But she said, you know, Brother Curtis. Oh, and then she shouted. I mean, she said, Ooh. She said, praise the Lord. She said, hallelujah. I've never, she said, experienced the presence of Christ like I have. Oh, she said, I've heard you preach about how he'll help you. And she said, I guess I believed it, but she said, I didn't know it would be anything. Oh, she said, this is blessed. This is wonderful. And see, when this truth really gets, that he loves you, it'll help you in your griefs. 
and then it'll help you in your prayers. When you go to ask a big favor of God, something big, and you're a little bit nervous, you know, you're shaking, your knees are trembling, and you, you, you say to your wife, this is, this is a big request. Maybe we're out of God's will. And it sort of scares you when you get on your knees and start praying. If you can hear him whisper, he loved me. And gave himself. It'll help you ask some big things. Oh, man, he loved me and gave himself for me. It'll help you in your prayer life when, you, when this truth grips you. And wait a minute, friends. It'll help you in your labors. When you're laboring for the Lord, And you get depressed and despondent and you get blue and you say, well, I never get blue. I never get... Well, God bless you. When you get to the place where you say, I'm quick. I mean, I'm through. This is the end of it. Oh, you never do that. Used to. I did it every Monday morning. In fact, on Sunday night, on the way home, when my wife and I rode to church together, we now come in separate cars. <laughs> she loves me. And I love her. But she don't get here the time I want to get here. And I don't leave the time she wants to leave. But on the way home, after I'd preached the sermon, I felt like I'd hung my foot in my mouth and no, you know, half the congregation went to sleep on me and they tried to be polite. And I knew I went over like a lead balloon. And I walked down and said, oh, I'm not a preacher. Man, if I'm a preacher, the woods is full of I'm the horriblest thing. I'm the poorest substitute for a preacher. Jerry, I'm going to quit. I think I'll write up my resignation and turn it in. And maybe go to selling or something. She said, go ahead. She was a lot of comfort. <laughs> I could have labored a lot more if I knew she loved me. If she'd have put her arm around me and said, Why, honey, you did the best I've ever heard you. It wouldn't have been a lie. Because I've never done very good. But it would have helped. Or she just said, Well, I love you. And there'll be another time. But she didn't. She said, why don't you just quit? I said, someday when I do, you're going to be sorry you said that. <laughs> she knew I couldn't quit. <laughs> but you know, when you make a bad biggie, when you fall over yourself, when you come out half prepared, you think nobody will come back. I, there was somebody visiting. I thought they were about ready to join, but they won't ever join now. I messed up. Of all the times I wanted to preach, I really wanted to preach tonight. Lord, you don't love me. Hey, pray an hour for what I say, Lord. But you know, when you make a big boo-boo and you fail and you get in the car and you're feeling real sorry for yourself and you're ready to throw in the white flag, if you'll forget about it and just hear him say, he loves me. Else you're happy in your labor. <laughs> he loves me anyhow. 
I was raised rather poor. I have often had my heart touched toward my parents, especially my father as he worked. He worked in a barber shop. And uh, he cut hair for a certain percent. He'd stand up all day long. That was when barbers worked till about midnight on Saturday night. Hair cuts 25 cents. And I've, I've looked at my dad, and I felt bad because he felt bad. He's opened my mouth and looked in at my teeth. I saw him cry because he couldn't carry me to the dentist. And I could tell he almost wanted to give up. But even when he couldn't do what he wanted to do toward me, he could say, I love you, son. I can't do for you like Mr. So-and-so does his boy, but I love you. And I say, I love you too. Go get the toothache medicine. Hurt <laughs> on tooth, he loves me. Did get my teeth fixed for three years ago. But it didn't hurt so bad. You know, you get some uh, Red Cross toothache medicine, put it in there, and the gum hurts so bad you didn't feel the tooth. <laughs> it burned so you drank water. <laughs> and I've seen my daddy laugh and cry. And to try to make a little more money, he go and buy some produce. Now, just a little bitty fella. I mean little. I don't mean medium size. I mean I was a little fella. And he'd park the big truck on the side of the cantaloupe, and he'd ask me to sit there all day long and sell them. Some of you might have bought some cantaloupes from me. <laughs> and I remember one day nobody hardly bought anything, and I had just about three or four dollars in my pocket, and I knew when Daddy came, he was expecting a lot more money than that, and he was expecting that I'd probably have a lot more cantaloupe sold than what I had sold. And the sun had been bearing down all day on those cantaloupes, and by now they're getting a little bit too ripe. And I knew what he had invested in that truckload of cantaloupes. And some smart edit came by, and I picked out the biggest, you know, cantaloupe I had, and I held it up. I, I, he, I said he'd be here in a few minutes. And I want to have at least something to give Daddy when he comes. Bless his heart. I said, he worked so hard. And I got the biggest cantaloupes I had, and I stood out of the road and held them. I said, cantaloupes, cantaloupes! I tried to get a smile on my face and wash my tears away, and I said, cantaloupes, cantaloupes! And wouldn't you know it, some fellow came on and said, let me see the best thing you got. And I dug and dug and dug and got the best thing I had. And I had up and look at it, he said, thank you, zoom, go on. Boy, that, that broke me. I just dropped my hand. I cried and cried and cried. If anybody had come, I'd have been ashamed to go out and try to sell him a cantaloupe. And my daddy came, and he said, Curtis, what's the matter? And I said, Daddy, I know that we need to sell these cantaloupes. They're, they're rotten. And I know what you've got in these cantaloupes, and, and it bothers me, Daddy. And I cried. Oh, he said, son, don't worry about that. He said, come on, let's go get a chocolate milkshake. He put his arm around and hugged me. And inside, you know how it feels, you've had this experience, and inside it seemed like something said, <sighs> just to know he loved me. 
It makes the labor so sweet. And by and by, listen, my musician comes. And by and by, when it comes to die, as we all must, it'll sure be good whether it's on a hospital bed between two sheets. Or was it home some night when you had a heart attack and you suddenly realize you only got about two or three minutes left? It dawns on you you're not going to make it to the hospital. Your chest is hurting. Or when they operate on you and discover you've got a cancer and say, we're sorry. You'll probably live three more weeks. That happened recently to someone here. It'll sure be good then. When the death dew presses your brow, And when the angel's wings get near, it'll sure be good. To quote this text again, do love me. And gave himself for me. It'll affect your whole life, your prayer life. It'll affect your labor. And by and by when it comes to die, it'll affect that. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, preachthebible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit knvbc.com for Christian music you can trust.